Uh, hey, I want to share with you this morning from Ephesians chapter 2. I think you may remember me sharing from that before, so I won't belabor it. But as we're talking about uh, things that I think need to be part of our vocabulary as an organization, um, our mission statement definitely needs to be one of those. Uh, the three key words in our mission statement that uh, my mind goes back to over and over and over again uh, that I find so encouraging is uh, evangelism, discipleship, and ministry. Uh, we, we put it right there front and center in our, our statement of mission that this is, uh, this is what we're up to. We are preparing ministers. We're preparing adults uh, to evangelize, to disciple, and to minister uh, in their setting. So take a look at Ephesians 2 with me, if you would. I've got to move some windows around here and get back to my uh, scripture passage here. Uh, I'm going to start all the way up in verse 1. Uh, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is a, a common refrain in Ephesians and really in all of Paul's letters. Uh, he just hammers and repeats. Um, he's not afraid to be repetitive uh, over and over again throughout his letters. It's by grace you're saved, uh, not by works. In verse six, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. There he hammers it again. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So let's stop right there. In the Church of the Nazarene, we say that we are a Christian people. We have identified three core values uh, in the denomination. And the first is we're a Christian people. In essence, that's what Paul is getting at here. Uh, this basic Christian message of what God has done for us by his grace that we never, ever could have done for ourselves. We can never earn it. We can never deserve it. Uh, God has done it for us. That's the Christian gospel. That's the Christian story. Uh, we, we receive by faith what he has done for us that we can never, ever do for ourselves, that we can never, ever earn uh, and, and deserve for him to, to do in our lives. Uh, this is uh, why we say we're a Christian people. We believe in this Christian story of what God has done for us uh, by his love through Jesus that we can never do for ourselves. But he doesn't stop there. Uh, much of American Christianity just kind of fits well with uh, the conversation that was happening before we started this morning. Uh, that Much of American Christianity will tell you that's the gospel, that uh, God has done something for us we can never do for ourselves. We receive that by faith. And then God counts us as righteous, and we're good to go. And nothing can ever change that. And uh, really, you, there, there's some ought-tos you ought to do, uh, according to the scripture, uh, some of these movements would say. Uh, in fact, the majority of American Christianity uh, would say, yeah, there's some, there's some things you ought to do as a Christian. But uh, the, real, the real matter of your salvation, the real essence of the gospel is found in what God has done for us. And, uh, and he did that by his love. We, it's a matter of his grace. We accept it by faith. And then we're in. And uh, that was kind of how it was explained to me. In fact, uh, similar uh, to what Jim is talking about by uh, some really good 
Christian friends of mine uh, in high school when I first became a Christian. Uh, they were uh, some of the people who, who discipled me early in my Christian life were uh, Assembly of God kids and Baptist kids. And uh, while uh, today I don't buy into all the finer points of their theology, I do give them high marks for having Christian kids in the high school uh, ready to disciple new Christians. And that's something uh, my youth group wasn't really producing at that time. Uh, so so this is this is who we are. We're a Christian people. Uh, we don't believe, though, and this is part of what sets us apart from the majority of American Christianity. Uh, we don't believe that that is all there is to the gospel. Uh, we don't believe that's all there is to salvation. God has done something for us we can never do for ourselves, but he doesn't want to stop there. Look what Paul says next. Uh, he says, and God raised us up with, uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm all the way down into verse, uh, verse 10. So I'm going to go back and read verse eight again. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Stop right there. For we are God's handiwork. Another translation says, uh, for, for we are God's masterpiece. Uh, God has in mind, he just said a couple verses earlier, uh, that we would become such uh, glorious examples of his grace that he would parade us around the heavenly realms as a showpiece, uh, showing off what good work he does. Uh, he wants to do such a good work in us that we become uh, a shining example in the heavenlies of uh, how good God is, because it's demonstrated by what he's done in us. And the church of the Nazarene, we don't just believe that God has done something for us by his love that we could never do for ourselves. We also believe that he wants to do something in us by his love, by his grace that we could never, ever do for ourselves. And by the way, that we could never, ever earn or deserve. Uh, we, we say we're a Christian people. We believe in what God has done for us. And we're a holiness people. We believe in what God wants to do in us. And we believe that uh, part of saying yes to him in faith is saying yes to what he wants to do for us and saying yes to what he wants to do in us. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if all the farther the gospel went was for God to do something for us, but leave us unchanged, leave us in, in essence, no different than we were before he did that great thing for us. I don't think, uh, and we don't believe Jesus went to, went to the length of dying on the cross, being risen again. Um, ascending into heaven uh, so that we could always go on being who we've always been, uh, so that we could uh, have a gospel that changes our, our uh, eternal destination, but doesn't change our character and the, the quality of our life. Uh, we're a Christian people. We believe in what God's done for us by his grace. We can never do that for ourselves, and, uh, and, and we only receive it by faith. We're, a, we're also a holiness people. We believe in what God wants to do in us by his grace. And we also, we receive that by faith. So the gospel still doesn't stop there. By the way, we believe these things are essential to the gospel. Uh, these are not optional add-ons. Sometimes holiness is preached as if it's an optional add-on equipment, uh, kind of like uh, leather seats in a car. Uh, I made the mistake of buying a used car. Uh, it was a $600 Buick. Uh, back in the day with 170,000 miles on it. It wasn't like I was in a, in a spending uh, frenzy, uh, but it had leather seats. And for some reason, I really enjoyed driving that car around in those leather seats. And so I ended up uh, now, every time I go to buy a car, I know what I'm missing. 
And uh, if it doesn't have leather seats, I'm a little bit disappointed because it is a whole lot more comfortable driving long hours in those leather seats than it is in the cloth seats. Uh, and so I, I'm, uh, I, I got ruined by those leather seats. Now, I understand uh, there is absolutely um, no difference in the, my car's ability to get me to my destination, whether it has leather seats or cloth seats. Makes no difference whatsoever. It's optional add-on equipment. Does not change the function of the car or its ability to do what it's supposed to do. Uh, some of us, uh, some, some, some treat holiness like that, uh, that it's optional add-on equipment. We don't believe that. That's part of what sets us apart from uh, the majority of American Christianity. We believe holiness of heart and life is essential to the gospel. And everyone who believes in, the, in, in God and walks with him will be led by his Holy Spirit into every, all the good that God has uh, for them if we continue to say yes to him. And that is our response to the gospel, by the way, uh, to have enough faith to say yes, not only to what he did for us, but also to what he wants to do in us. And then Paul doesn't stop there. Uh, he goes on and says uh, in verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul's been hammering away for several chapters in Ephesians and in all of his other letters. Uh, he says it over and over and over again already just in these verses. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. We're saved by grace, not by works so that nobody can boast. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by works. I could say that 10 more times. It still wouldn't, it still wouldn't even uh, come close to the degree of Paul's, uh, how emphatic Paul is when he continues to hammer this idea. We're not saved by works. And so then literally just uh, uh, two verses later, he says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we're not saved by works, but we are saved for works. And, and we say that, uh, and this is part of what separates us from the majority of American Christianity, uh, we're a Christian people. We believe in what God has done for us by his grace. We can never do for ourselves. We're a holiness people. We believe in what God wants to do in us by his grace. We can never do for ourselves. And we're a missional people. We believe in what God wants to do through us. That's also by his grace. And it's something we can never do for ourselves and we can never deserve to be a part of. Uh, none of us deserve to be on God's team. None, none of us deserve to be a part of, uh, of what he's up to in this world. We're a Christian people. We believe in what he's done for us. We're a holiness people. We believe in what he wants to do in us. We're a missional people. We believe in what he wants to do through us. I know this is in itself repetition. Uh, you've heard me talk about this stuff before. Uh, pretty much anybody that's ever heard me talk for very long at all has heard me hit these themes. Uh, I believe it's uh, critical to who we are as Nazarenes. We're Christian, we're holiness, we're missional. So let's set those over here and then think about this mission statement that we have as Nazarene Bible College, evangelism, discipleship, and ministry. Do you see a, a, a parallel there? Do you see a symmetry? Christian, holiness, missional. Can you see my hands? I don't know where I am on the screen. Christian, holiness, missional, evangelism, discipleship, ministry. Um, that's, that's pretty good symmetry. Uh, that puts us right square smack dab in the middle, in the center of the heart of uh, who our denomination was founded to be, uh, that we prepare people for evangelism, to share the story of what God has done for us. Uh, but we know that, that the gospel doesn't stop there, that uh, we also invite, we also equip people uh, to engage folks in a, in a uh, journey of discipleship 
where they will experience the holiness of God in their lives. And as they become filled with his presence, the presence of a holy God, uh, they become uh, a reflection of his holiness. They become uh, an embodiment of his holiness in this world. And you can't be filled with the presence of God without uh, being moved by the mission of God. Uh, whenever we say yes to what God's done for us and we say yes to what God wants to do in us, we're going to be moved. And it's, it, it is essential to our salvation that we continue to say yes to him, that we continue to exercise faith in him enough to trust him what he wants to do, not just in us, but also through us. And that is uh, his mission in this world. Now, you, you, some may argue that holiness and mission uh, take effort. And so uh, that can't be essential to salvation, because if it takes effort, it's works. And then if, if you say works are essential to your salvation, then you believe in works righteousness. And, and uh, that ends up causing many to say, uh, well, wait, that can't be uh, an essential part of our salvation. That can't be an essential part of the gospel because it takes effort. Uh, and so let me just uh, propose to you that effort does not equal earning. There are a lot of things that take effort that you didn't earn. You give me a gift for Christmas, um, I'm going to have to go to some trouble to make use of that gift. I'm going to have to unwrap it. I'm going to have to unpack it. Uh, sometimes there's some assembly required. I'm going to have to assemble it. Sometimes things need batteries. Sometimes things come with us with uh, a man, owner's manuals and instructions that take a lot of effort to read through and understand how in the world to put that product to use. Uh, it takes a lot of effort sometimes to make use of a gift that is given freely. So by the time I unwrap it, unpack it, assemble it, put batteries in it, and learn how to use it, that's a lot of effort. So let me ask you this. Did I earn it? Did I buy it? Did I pay for it? No, it was a free gift given to me freely. Well, all I'm doing by putting out all that effort is cooperating with the gift giver. Uh, and that's that hasn't earned me the gift. It doesn't mean I deserve the gift. I didn't pay for the gift. I'm just cooperating with the, with the gift giver. And that's uh, what we believe is essential. When we say yes to what God's done for us, it leads us to also say yes to what he wants to do in us and also to say yes to what he wants to do through us. We believe all those yeses are essential to the gospel. And yes, uh, that does end up taking some effort. It takes effort to be in relationship with God. It takes effort to get up in the morning and be in the word. It takes effort to, to put a prayer list together and to, uh, to commit to praying to God and for his will to be done in this world and for uh, his will to be done in people's lives, for his provision for ourselves and the people we're praying for. Uh, it takes effort to engage with people in, in Christian fellowship. Uh, it takes effort to be discipled and to disciple others. It takes effort to, to worship and to prepare for worship and to lead worship. Uh, all this stuff takes effort, and we're not earning anything by any of it. All we're doing is cooperating with the gift giver. Uh, we're a Christian people. We're a holiness people. We're a missional people. It's all by grace. It's all essential. None of it's optional add-on equipment. And uh, this is why our school, I think, exists. And I think we say it beautifully in our mission statement uh, that we prepare adults for evangelism discipleship and ministry. Uh, so this effort business, um, Dallas Willard is a, a big proponent of this. And I believe Dallas Willard is probably a Calvinist. Uh, and yet uh, in his writing, sometimes uh, if you can, uh, I don't necessarily, I'm not recommending you go out and read all of Dallas Willard's books because uh, 
uh, it's almost a traumatic experience to, to wade through his heavy prose. Uh, it, it, uh, it's a challenge to get through. But one of the things that uh, he has written that's jumped out at me as I've read his stuff uh, is he's emphatic about this, uh, this business that effort does not equal earning. And I think that's uh, something important for our uh, tradition to keep in mind. Uh, so with this in mind, if we are going to be on mission, if we're going to achieve what God has for us to achieve as an organization, if we're going to achieve uh, the, it, his mission in our personal life, uh, probably we're going to have to intentionally cooperate uh, with the gifts that he gives us. And uh, that may take some uh, effort. You know, uh, John Wesley uh, had a whole list of things that he expected from participants in his uh, Methodist societies. Uh, in fact, he called them the general rules. Uh, and if you've been around the church of the Nazarene long enough, you remember when we had a statement in our manual called the general rules. And that statement is still there, by the way. Uh, we still have a, a very, very good belief in, uh, in some of the things that, that we think are, are the, uh, the inevitable outcomes of God's grace at work in our lives as we cooperate with his grace. Uh, now we call it the covenant of Christian character because we like more words rather than fewer words, and we don't like the word rules. And so we had to, we had to get that out of there. Uh, but it's still the same statement. It's the same uh, basic, uh, even the, a lot of the same verbiage, the same, same structure to the document that Wesley started out with uh, way back in the 18th century. Um, so as, as, we, as we consider the effort that is required uh, to do our jobs within, within our organization, but also to, to become disciples, to walk with the Lord, to allow him to accomplish his will in this world through us. This is an amazing thing that, that not only did God do something for us we couldn't do for ourselves, but he wants to do something in us we can't do for ourselves. And then he wants to do something through us that we can't do for ourselves, that we can't, we can't take credit for, that we'll never earn or deserve to be a part of. And, and he actually wants to accomplish his will in this world, in other people's lives, through us. I mean. That's amazing to me. Um, I've talked to you before about how much it means to me to, to be on any team, uh, and especially to be on God's team. And, and that, that does take some effort. So if you're going to achieve, let's take, uh, let's take your profession out of it for a second and just think about your life. Uh, what is the mission that God has you on in this life? And, uh, and how are you cooperating with his grace uh, to achieve that mission? Let me just throw out at you as we as we are thinking about uh, uh, the whirlwind uh, we're thinking about uh, wildly important goals we're thinking about having some margin in our life so that we have room uh, to work on uh, on improvement uh, as we start to talk about some of these uh, some of this vocabulary and it becomes part of our ongoing conversations as a school I just want to share with you uh, a little bit of a snapshot of something that I use uh, that may not work for you, um, and it doesn't always work for me, uh, but it but it gives me something to always come back to, uh, so that I can take a look at. Uh, okay, this is um, this is where I'm at. This is what I believe. How I believe God's called me uh, to uh, to live, and this is what I'm doing about it. Let me um, share a quote with you that I know all of you have heard. Uh, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. Uh, it all comes back to 
our daily thought life and our daily habits that build for us uh, who we're going to be and uh, what we're going to achieve in this world. Um, and it's daily. It's, it's what we do as a matter of habit uh, that forms our character and that produces our destiny, that it ends up determining what we're going to achieve in this world, how God's mission is going to be accomplished through us. Uh, so I'm going to share my screen with you here real quick. And I've, I've cleaned up this spreadsheet just to have a version available that's clean and not cluttered up with, um, with a bunch of other stuff, with a bunch of uh, fill-ins and uh, progress. So let me see if I can share my screen with you effectively. Again, I'm not prescribing this for you. I'm just showing you one way uh, to get at it. And let's see if we can get there. All right, can you see this? All right, so what I've, what I've thought about is, okay, God, what, how do you want me to live my life on a day-in, day-out basis uh, so, that I can, uh, so that I can cooperate with your grace? I know it's going to take some effort. I still believe it's a matter of grace. Um, and so uh, here's some things that I feel like God's talked to me about that he wants me to be accountable to him for day-in and day-out. Uh, and these are uh, some really just basic stuff. One is to get up when I wake up, um, not to let myself fall back to sleep and just uh, end up dreaming dumb dreams and and uh, and waste uh, 30 or 40 minutes uh, to get between six and nine hours of sleep, um, to wake up uh, and and uh, pray and walk uh, first thing in the morning to to uh, uh, to, to weigh myself Um to read the Old Testament, the New Testament, a Psalm, Proverbs. I, I try to read Wesley's works uh, through completely every four years. Yeah. Oh, this is what we're seeing. Oh. And so we just need to <laughs> All right. Thank you. I'm going to stop sharing that and I'm going to try to share the right thing. Let's see here. All right, how about that? Can you see that? So I was just reading across this list. I take some medicine in the morning. I uh, uh, try to eat eat uh, breakfast. I try to read a book a week um, of one kind or another. And I find if I give 20 minutes of that, the uh, books vary in length. But I, if I don't get a book read in one week, then I, it spills over and I read a shorter one the next time around. Um, and uh, then, then at the office, I'm starting to identify, I had this pretty well down as a, a pastor and then a DS, uh, but I'm trying to, to know, hey, if I'm going to, if I'm going to cover all the DSs out there, if I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to uh, do what I need to do in terms of donor relations, uh, there's going to be, I'm going to have to break that down. I'm not going to be able to do, I'm not going to be able to cram for that. It's the same kind of stuff you tell your students about being ready for uh, the big assignments is that you, you know you can't do it all the night before it's due. You gotta you gotta schedule your workout and do it daily. So I've just tried to figure out, okay, what do I need to be doing daily in order to uh, uh, to achieve what God has for me to achieve? Uh, so that's that's uh, in the morning at the office and then uh, in the evenings. And I've got a daily tab, a weekly tab, and the weekly tab. I think about okay, what has to happen every week in order for that may not be a daily thing, but at least once a week I need to give attention to it. And then what do I need to give attention to uh, monthly? And you see these get a little sketchier the farther out I go. Uh, one of my goals quarterly is to read the New Testament each quarter. And so you, if you look back on the math, 
that I've got myself set up on a Logos, Logos Bible software uh, that uh, gets me through the New Testament once a quarter in a different translation each time. And I've got semi-annually. I don't have anything on that right now. I've got annually uh, things that I'd like to, to make sure I do once a year and then uh, biannually. So every couple years, quadrennially, I like to read uh, Wesley's entire works uh, every four years. And then uh, I want to attend General Assembly every four years. And then there's some things that are just by date. Uh, so uh, by by some by some uh, prescribed date. And then before I die, I've got a list of things. That's, that's what a lot of people would call a bucket list. Uh, so one is to get a Harley one of these days, Jim. And uh, that just keeps getting pushed out. Might be the last thing I do before I die. And there might be a reason for that. Um, and then uh, these are just some books that uh, if I run by a book, I don't know where to write it down. I put it there sometimes. And uh, and so that that just gives you just kind of one real quick idea of um, um, I've been told by uh, friends that most people don't find such satisfaction in spreadsheets uh, as I do. But I find if I can keep myself on pace um, for important matters, then um, then I find myself making progress over time and it doesn't become an all consuming um dark gray cloud of unmet expectation that hangs over me every day because I know every day I've done that day what I probably need to be doing. And, and this, could, this could apply to professional pursuits as well as it does to personal pursuits. And uh, hopefully the, God is the Lord of all of it because it's all a matter of being prompted by him and then just saying yes uh, to what he's prompting me to do, what he's revealing that he wants to do uh, through my life today, uh, this week, this month, this quarter. And uh, and then uh, w- one thing that helps me stay on track here is to have a day, a time of daily compass uh, that that language comes from Stephen Covey. And then to also have some time set aside weekly to do a weekly compass. And that's just a matter of uh, just kind of taking stock, spending a little bit of time with my calendar, uh, with my uh, journal or daily record of events with with uh, my my spreadsheet here, uh, which I would consider to be kind of a compass document. And just uh, to decide, am I am I moving the right direction or not, or uh, do I need to make some adjustments? Um, ask me how often I've been a hundred percent on these things, uh, and believe it or not, I got a little formula in there, so it shows me at the bottom uh, what percent I'm at each day, and uh, uh, and I'm never at a hundred percent. I hardly ever have a day where I hit a hundred percent, but I but I know what a perfect day would look like, <laughs> and so at least that's in my mind. And uh, there are days uh, coming where I'm going to hit 100%, and there are going to be stretches where I, I do that for sustained periods of time. And then uh, there are going to be times when I have to drop one thing or another because something more important comes up, and, and I'm, I'm being obedient to the Lord uh, to not do that for a day because uh, God, God uh, puts somebody in need in front of me. I don't want to be so locked in on what uh, my goals are that I, I, I commit the sin that... Uh, that everybody but the Good Samaritan committed in the story of the Good Samaritan. I want to I be able to be interrupted. I want to I be able to uh, let God still be the Lord of my daily life, even once he's, uh, I feel like I've said yes to him on how I think he wants to, me to spend my day. Um, I still want to say yes to him when he interrupts my day. Um, and I just want to make sure that I'm living in the flow of the Holy Spirit, and he gets to be in charge of whether I, I execute the plan as as concocted or whether, uh, or whether I deal with an interruption. Uh, and then I can hopefully stay at peace um, no matter what. 
because I trust him for the outcomes. I'm not trying to earn anything by any of this. I'm just cooperating with the gift giver. Um, and uh, you may you may look at my life and look at how I operate and say, man, he's not measuring up today. Uh, he's not getting it done today. Uh, and you're probably right some of those days. And uh, but I but I'm trying to listen to the Lord and ask him, how would you have me live my life uh, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, quarter by quarter, year by year? So that by the time it's all said and done, I don't die wishing I would have been a little more intentional about how uh, I spent this one life that he's given me to live. Um, one thing John Wesley hammered on much more than I do is uh, he, he hit his leaders about not wasting time, not being idle. And I think maybe Wesley was a little OCD. I don't know for sure if he was or not. Um, and maybe you're thinking I am too. Uh, but I got to tell you, I'm I'm just way more at peace uh, knowing that I'm living on purpose, that I'm living on mission than if I feel like I'm just kind of floating through life, reacting uh, to whatever the world throws at me. Because I don't want the world to be in charge of my life. I want the Lord to be in charge of my life. And uh, and I want to cooperate with all the gifts that he wants to give to me and, and that he wants to me to be to this world on his behalf.